Welcome to the fourth installment on church. I'm Reverend Kojo. I've got my good friend and uh, music minister over here at Church Reclaim. We're actually sitting in the room we meet in. If you're in Auburn anytime, this is my shameless plug. You should come by Dudley V6 and check us out. God is doing amazing things here. But uh, introduce yourself to, I know you as Darrell, but uh, I don't know how the rest of the world wants to know you. I'm Darrell Fryer. I'm a senior, Auburn University majoring in math and music. Um, I love the Lord and what he's doing in people's lives and how he transforms lives through music and through the word of God is an amazing thing that God's been continuing to do in my life and seeing how he's brought me and transformed me in different ways. Indeed, Transform transformation is always, always a thing. Um, even in church, you mm -hmm. know, I think I've, I've watched over the years as church has definitely gone from when we sang old moaning hymns to <laughs> flashing lights yeah. and dark sanctuaries <laughs> and sometimes you step into some of churches and and it's like you step back into time and then some churches I was like man this is church mm -hmm. so I guess today we're just going to talk about the differences in church and 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 what we like about church and what we don't like about church and some things like that so I'm gonna let you start and we'll, and we'll piggyback off of you well growing up I'm a PK pastor's kids preacher kid you know so I mean I've been in numerous amounts of churches and my dad's been a pastor at a good amount of different churches, and it started off at some really small backwoods churches. Um, when I was little, uh, like Elam and Spring Hill out in um, the Troy, Brundage area, and then we ended up at Greater Sardis in Clayton, Alabama, which is close to where we live. And then my dad now is currently at Pine Hill Missionary Baptist Church in Pink City, Alabama, which is a lot bigger than all those smaller churches. So, I mean, one thing about all those churches that my dad ended up at preaching and I was able to grow up in, the hymn was, you know, a thing. Yeah. The yeah. hymn was, everybody remembered those hymns, you know, little to old to black, white, male, female. The hymn was what we remembered in the traditional church is what got us through, you know, got us through slavery. It got us through hard times, rough times, you know, funeral you sing that good old hymn it's like oh yeah it's taking it, it brings us relief you know and it takes us to a different place that's how we kind of, we got to the point where we connect with God um now in church you know we we music is undergoing a big shift you know we have a lot more commercialized we have a lot more worldly music in the gospel world you know a lot more rap and a lot more um a lot more I guess commercialized music um, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. It all has its time. It all has its place. Um, but that's also, you know, contributed to, you know, a, a divide between older members of a church and the younger members of a church because music has t undergone, like we said, transformation. Uh, right, right. A huge transformation in the past couple of years, in the past, even just, not in just the past couple years, but even in the past couple of weeks, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's real. That's real. I know for a fact, like, so my, we, we actually buried, buried my uncle this weekend, and he was like a pillar of the community, 
um, people grew up and they knew Uncle Webb. Like Uncle Webb was the guy that everybody went to, great man of God. And one, you know, a lot of the people who got up and sang sang some older songs. Um, and and I and I don't want to sound rude per se, um, because something that kind of scared me a little bit is that of all of these great people who got up and sang, it was almost as if they had missed their prime. Um, and I mean, these pe these are people who 15, 20 years ago, if I would have heard them saying, like they tear the house down. And so I I I kind of wrestled with this weekend, and I kind of brought them in conversation. I was like. Are some of the songs losing their power because people don't know what they mean? Or are some of these songs losing their power because we don't go to them anymore? A thing about, a good thing about a lot of these songs are, and that's what's happening in the church now, you're not hearing a charge to keep I have every Sunday yeah. at some churches, you know? You're hearing um, how great thou are, mm -hmm. or, um, how great is our God or he's able, you know, you're hearing a lot more Todd Delaney and um, William Murphy as opposed to, you know, Milton Bronson and George yeah. Mass, you know. Right. Um, and what's really happened in at least the music world at church, the hymnal is starting to be undervalued. Yeah. As far as how that has has it been like pretty much a passageway from what hymns were back in the day into what how they should be sung now, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I sung a hymn today in church and um I remember how much those feelings, you know, what the what that hymn meant to me, I could experience through my dad when he would sing it or when my mom would sing it right, or my right, granddad right, would right. sing, you know, when when the thing about music, we all have a tendency to feel what people before us have sung that song. Okay, yeah, I feel you on that. We tend to experience what our, forefa our descendants and our forefathers felt when we sing those songs. And because we don't sing those songs anymore, we don't feel what our, the people that came before us felt. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that happened that has caused, caused these songs to fall out is the younger generation, necessarily, when they were growing up in church and hearing these songs, they always felt as if they were old. Yeah. And ancient and, I guess, antiquish. Yeah. They didn't feel like they, they, could, they could make these song, songs their own. Now, I feel you on that. I definitely feel you on that. I, uh, we, of course, you know, it's first Sunday. It was communion Sunday. Um, and, you know, you sing songs about the blood. And there is a staunch difference from maybe four or five years ago at my home church. We would sing uh, hymns, but they wouldn't necessarily be like they were written in the hymn book. Same words, same emotion, but different chord structure. And so it came more alive to this, our generation. Uh, we've got a different, different mu music staff, different, I, I, uh, I guess, point of thinking. And so when they play modern, they play modern. And when they play old, they play old as it was. And so I hate hearing hymns now except for today during communion. And one of the ladies who is like one of those church mothers who sings out, <laughs> she was back from surgery and she's been, she's been out for a few months. She broke out and the blood will never lose its power. It was like all of that deadness that's been over the hymns for like the last few months went away. And you could feel the love, you could feel the, the remembrance coming back. And so I'm almost wondering this, and, and, and it brings me to two points. I'm wondering this, this first thing, 
is, are the hymns losing relevance to us? Because if we don't know what the hymns mean, I feel like our worship in some of this contemporary worship isn't going to be as sincere. Because, and, and I'm going to say this and you go ahead, because it's hard for me to say I love you, Jesus, if I don't think about, oh, what peace I often forfeit because of this friend I have in Jesus. It's hard for me to think about it as well and then talk about God's great peace or talk about more than anything or any of these contemporary songs if I don't have a foundation that some of these old songs laid for me. Now, that might just be me. In my opinion, I feel the same way. The thing is, what's happening is on the radio uh -huh. and with a streaming service. That's, that's another thing we, we should we, we bring up. The way that music is delivered to God's people nowadays is drastically different than when it, the way it was delivered back in the day. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, the, it was word of mouth, a straight up word of mouth. Now the way that the younger generation may hear a song, they may not, they may not ever hear this song at church, but they'll hear it on the radio and maybe their favorite song. Uh-huh. They hear it on the um, they hear it on the streaming service like uh, Spotify, or Apple Music, and it may be their favorite song. For me, growing up, you know, my favorite song was "The Blood Never Loses Power." You know, yeah. It reaches to the highest mountain. You know, and it, when, whenever I could feel that music start to build up in me, that's when you know it. It had some meaning to me when I heard that song. And anytime I sing it, I cry to you every every other day because you know, I understand the power of the blood. Yeah. And, you know, being biblically sound before you get up as a musician, you get up as singing, right. you know, you understand that meaning. Then sometimes when you when that meaning gets to filling and it starts to growing in you, you just can't do anything but let some tears roll. You just exactly. can't say anything, but thank you, Lord. And I really think that music, as far as delivery, has caused the younger generation to not understand what the, the music of our past and it's still not in our past, it's our present. Yeah, it is. Means. It's to do, and I, I think it really means something in the delivery. Because I can get up and sing, I, I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood, yeah. no, it was the blood that saved me one day when yeah. I was lost. I can get up and sing that. And It'll sound like, what, when you heard that song to a younger person, when you heard that song? Right. Man, that song older than us. Right. But it's all in how you delivered it. Yeah. It's all in how you deliver it. So when we think about singing and we think about the music and we think about the ministry, and even how the word goes forth, it's all about how it's being delivered uh -huh. with the millennials. And that's one thing that, you know, I think that ministers are taught. They're taught to preach Jesus, preach the word. Don't fall, don't stray away from the word. And as we, same thing should happen, go forth in our music. Yeah. Don't stray away from the word. Yeah. You can't get up and sing if you don't understand the word. You can't get up and sing, and you really shouldn't get up and play. Play, play, play or preach. You, play or preach. If you don't, I mean, and, 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 but that's, that's the reality of church. And I think that, I mean, and I'll say it, and, you know, ministers can jump in my inbox if they want to, but I really believe that that's part of the problem in ministry today. Um, as a whole, we got people who join the church, and in two weeks they want to be preachers. 
And I, I mean, I've sat there and they've come through our church. They never really make it through the process, but they come through our church. Oh, I didn't get saved. Oh, pastor, I want to be a preacher. Next thing you know, they're in ministry, ministry class with us. But they haven't endured being on milk or anything like that. They don't even really know the 66 books of the Bible, let alone some substance. And I feel like the same way in the choir. Before you can get up and lead a song, you need to have med like meditated on that song. You need to know what, why did they write it. You know, one of the things that I love about my two favorite artists, Donald Lawrence and Richard Smallwood, is they, they're always teaching a lesson in their music. You know, Donald Lawrence will get out there and give you some deep theological truth <laughs> in a song. But not only can I, I jam to the music and I'm really rocking out, but I'm learning the law of confession. You know, I'm learning how it works in, in the atmosphere and it backs up to the word. And I think that, you know, there's, it's cool to sing songs that have three words, you know. People be in the room, all slain and everything. But those three words, are those three words going to carry you? You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I think about it this way. You know, here in Auburn, um, you know, I'm persecuting that. The Church of Highlands has a big following. Here in Alabama. Here in Alabama. Here, that's true. Here in Alabama. And it's starting to, cross the, and it's starting yeah. to gain a lot of tra traction across the nation. The Church of Highlands has a big following. And... And their biggest following, if you if you look at the numbers, is starting to happen among millennials. Oh yeah, they probably they probably have the biggest population of millennials in probably any church mm -hmm. that you could think of. And one thing that you know I've started to notice when I I went there once or twice. You know you as people of God, we want to understand other people of God. Right. We, we can't minister to other people that we don't understand. Right. That we don't understand what they're like and how they experience the Lord and his mercy and his grace and his love and his kindness. And, you know, I, I, I went in. I, I went in. I couldn't feel what mm -hmm. four or 500 people around me were feeling mm -hmm. in that space. Now, does that go to say that God's not there? That's not, on, that's not my choice to make because I don't know what they're feeling. I don't know their emotional connection to the Lord, our Lord and Savior. But what I can say is, one thing about when you go in that place, they make you feel like you belong to be there. Right. And with the music, with the word, whoever's playing, or the people there, they make you feel like you belong there. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the issues with the church now. You, you just hit on something huge. Like you hit on something really huge. I I, um, I have not. I can't tell you how many churches I go to. How many people have told me I don't go to church because of the people. My grandfather, who is pushing eighty, has not been a member of a church for fifty years because of God's people. And you know, somebody somebody said something to me today. Uh, what was it? the preacher said? Um, messy people say messy people are the reason they don't go to church, but there's messy people everywhere. That's true. That's true. And what I've what I've started to understand is, it's not just the people, it's it's a part, and it's not just, and it becomes not just for millennials these days. It's become more than just the word and the music. It's become the experience. Uh huh. It comes how you experience the community of God's people. Yeah. And God wants us to experience community within with each other and um, with our fellow man and fellow woman. Um, I've really noticed that. You can go in a church nowadays and sit beside someone and not say a word. It's the truth. 
It's the truth. And, 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 and every ministry that I do, my, the whole point of church is to fellowship. It's to fellowship with like-minded saints so that we, we don't fall all, like, so we know that we're not in this thing together. We're supposed to live lives of worship. We're supposed to be like the Berean Jews in Acts and scrub the scriptures down to know what it says. You know, sure, we can come together for Bible study. Sure, we can come together for corporate worship. But the point of the church is to fellowship. What good does it do me to come into a service where it's, it's 500 folks? How many rooms? How many seats are in here? Oh, no. Oh, okay, where's well, 500 people in here? And I don't know you. All I know is Minister Nicole is sitting right there, and I know that Jarrell is on the piano, and we got a band, and that's all I know. Does that help me in my walk? That doesn't help my walk. That doesn't help me when I'm at home and I'm fighting the demons that I'm fighting. Who am I going to call to pray for me? You know, that's what church is for. Um, but I think we've lost sight of that. You know, they, they got it right. Well, some of the churches in the Bible days got it right. You know, it was, it was so I could hold you accountable, you hold me accountable. You know, I think Hezekiah got it right when he said, I need you to survive. You know, I literally need you for dear life because we're fighting, we're living in a world who literally does not like Christians. And whether, whether we can see it or we can't see it, that's literally what we're living in. And we need the community. If I sit next to you and you give me the stank eye, because you don't like the way I'm dressed today, or you heard something about me. And so I'm coming to church because I need to fellowship with like-minded people because the folks out there don't like me. I need you. But if I can't get that in church, where am I going to get it? And where is it going to be healthy? You know, the funny thing about that, you can't... Is, is, and you look, look, people gonna look at me crazy, but you can't get that anywhere else. It's the truth. The type of fellowship you get in church, you won't get anywhere else. Sure, I can join a club and make some friends, but what you get in church, you ain't gonna get anywhere else. And you, and you can't get the love and kindness. When, when you're in the right, let's put this, when you're in the right place. Right. When you're in the place where God called you to be and where you're supposed to be, and you're in a place where people believe and the tenets of the Bible and they believe what God has called them to do and they believe in sharing in the community, uh, you, you can't beat the church. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the church is defeating itself. And that's, that's key. I've been in many, I've been in uh, many churches and we, me and my dad was preaching in Virginia Beach, I mean, last Sunday. And we drove up on, what was it, Friday. Before we even had service, we went to church for a migraine. They made us feel welcome. Mm -hmm. We felt community. I you know I felt like I knew these people. Yeah. Which they knew us because there was some member, there was some familiar members from that church that had been a part of my dad's church, the current church in Phoenix City. Okay. Um, they had family there, but they still treated us. Me not being their family, they still treated me like I was a part of the family. And right. every other person that went with us into that um to to that church anniversary. So one thing that I really, you know, I may, I charge anybody that may watch this as a minister or uh, part of any church as far as being on any, any ministry or any team, um, work on making your members feel, and you may, you may think that's not your right to do it, you need to make them feel like they need to be there. Yeah. And for, or feel like they need to be there and from the sense of, I can't 
find community any other place but this. Yeah. I can't find this kind of community. I can't find this kind of love. I can't find this kind of joy. I can't find this kind of peace. Um, it doesn't exist anywhere but in the church and in the Lord. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I love, I watch about my parents. Our church has a, a, a good number of small ministries. We don't call them small groups, but like different ministries. And the, the, the couples ministry is my favorite. Um, because, and as a matter of fact, all of my parents' best friends are part of the couples ministry. All of the circles that they've been running in, at least for the 23 years I've been on the are, are part of the couples ministry. And they travel together. They take boys trips. They take girls trips. They take couples trips. Um, they even take mass family trips um, as part of this couples ministry. But one thing that I was sitting at one of the other couples' house this week, and she was saying, she was saying, the the love that you feel in that group, they've left our church, but they're start, still part of that ministry. That's just how powerful it is. Um, the love that you feel in those groups and the friendships that they have given them has kept them on course when they were going through rocky portions of their marriage. When their kids were acting crazy and they were going through issues like infertility, it's the support that they got in those groups. And I think that's really what God calls us to. He don't call us to big programs. I think programs are cool. I, some of them get on my nerves. Um, I don't think he calls us to have flashy lights, they're cool or whatever, or great music as much as I love music. I think he calls us to community. Um, and I think when we neglect that, we're neglecting the church and the mission of the church. Because how am I going to save somebody? Because what do I have to offer them that they can't get anywhere else? You know, they can get a bowling ministry. They can find a group of friends. But the love that is the love of Christ infiltrated in all of that extra stuff is a whole nother dimension from me just, hey, I'm going to go play golf with these folks. Saying, I see you. I feel your hurt, and I'm going to walk through life with you. That's a whole nother level. It, it really is. Like, you, you don't understand how much you enjoy being with friends that you go to church with and that you mm -hmm. commune with until you're with people that don't. don't believe. Yeah, and how much how much you have to mince your words, you know? Yeah, how much you have to how much you have to. Let me use word again. Transform. Okay. Yourself. Right. To. Not make these people that you know are not in your community, your church community, your belief system, feel like they can be a part of. You. Yeah. And, you know, but that's also a part of, of God's calling to us as people in his church. The people that are not in the church, we have to make them feel like they're a part of our family. Okay. And, you know, that's the hardest part. Yeah, that is the hardest part. That's the hardest part. Now, how do we make people that don't feel like a part of, that they're a part of our community, how do we integrate them into our community? Now, now that's, that's a hard piece. That that is a very hard yeah. piece, and that's a struggle that churches are facing with the millennials. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a hard piece. I know for a fact my little sister's friends. Whenever they come to our church, they don't like to come. They hate to come. Like they don't like they. I don't like they always people are always staring at me. I always feel uncomfortable. Da 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 da. da. On another tip, one of my friends who actually came here um, loves to come to my church because it's like a family reunion. And the difference is that when I brought that friend to home to my church and I brought other friends home, that I indoctrinated them in. Hey, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. Aaron just sits in the back, and folks would be like, who is that? Why are they, why are they here? And I think, I think the fact that they still got stared at is a problem. 
But I also think it's incumbent upon us when we bring somebody to be like, hey, this is, this is somebody. I'm adding them to the family. Let's treat them as such. <laughs> like, don't, don't do them different. So, I mean, you know, let's say this is, there's a person that comes in the church that you, don't, that, that you know you, you see them. Mm-hmm. And you already know they're not doing something right, but you don't agree with them. Yeah. You don't agree with what they're doing. How do you approach that person and start to get them in there? Because, you know, there are a lot of people that come into our churches that we don't even know. that don't have any connection to that church at the moment. Right. They don't have any people that are family, any people that are friends. How do we integrate that person? Because if that person's coming to the church. Yeah. And they have no, they have no connection, no ties. Yeah. How do we get them integrated into our community? You know, that's a rough one. Um, I know, I know, I go, I, I go out of my way, especially at Nineveh. If I see somebody in the crowd, and because we do, not only do we meet and greet in like in between Sunday school and service, but we meet and greet before the sermon, um, as the kids are going to youth church. If I see somebody I don't, I'm not used to seeing, I try to beeline my way to them, because I know the majority of the congregation is trying to hug everybody else that they've seen last week. And so I try to personally beeline them. And I remember we had a couple join about two years ago. And I, I specifically told my mom, I said, you need to invite her to couples ministry. And she was like, I guess that is a good idea. And she never thought about it. And so, of course, they invited her. Uh, when we had a youth event, I found out she was a chef that used to own a restaurant. I said, y'all need to go talk to her and see if she wants to come work in the kitchen. Um, and so I know I personally, but I know that that's not everybody's story and that's not everybody's person. Like, that's not Pardon their thing. Yeah. yeah. But I also think that we got to be intentional. You know, the way that God is intentional with us. We, hey, if I see you, you're new and nobody's talking to you, I've got to go talk to you. And I need to find out your story. Because the thing that I love about com- church is community. And if I don't treat you as a, a part of the community, you're not going to stay. And if I don't know where to help you get plugged in, you know, especially in churches that have a lot of ministries and have resources and stuff. You know, if I don't know how to help you get plugged in, you're not going to feel like you belong. Because you walk in a church, you don't know that the church got 50 ministries. You see the sanctuary, you see the choir, you see the ministers, you see a band. So you don't know that throughout throughout the week, people are here all week. You don't know that they got basketball ministries and water polo ministries and, and couples ministries. You don't know that from first glance. And so it's incumbent, coming upon somebody in the community to say, hey, what are you into? I think you might enjoy this. I think you might be a good fit here. And if it's not a good fit, you help them find something else. Hmm. I agree, I agree. And that's... And that's where we, as a group of family of believers, we need to start taking the initiative. Um, time and time again, you know, you, I go to church. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited to be at church. Yeah, me too. Like, and I'm excited to be amongst believers. Yeah. But that's not how everyone else feels. And that's true. And, but I'm going to say this. I, I was listening to another group of ministers, young ministers talk. I think that's incumbent upon us church leaders to make sure that we have an experience prepared. And I'm not saying that you program the Holy Spirit, but I, we need to be meditating each week that we are coming with something fresh. Because just like God's mercy is new every day, we should be bringing something new to present to God and so that people can participate in each week. Because if it's not fresh, why would I want to come back? I can tune into that on TV and it probably even be somewhat better. But you've got to have something that they can't get anywhere else. 
And that's where community comes from. That's where the corporate worship comes from. That's the interaction. And so I think it's incumbent upon us to plan. And I mean to really plan because we plan for our jobs. We plan for school. If we don't study, boy, college, you're going to fail. Right. <laughs> and so I think it, we, we got to plan like, like our life be, depends on it because the life of the church literally does depend on it. Mm. You're right, Doc. You're right. Right. Well, we, we got to see it in action, though. Yeah. I mean, seeing, seeing and saying are different in doing. Indeed. Indeed. I have a question for you. So, if you, I mean, you're, you're a youth manager and you passed. Have you seen your youth congregation increase, decrease? One. And then two, if, you, if you're seeing it increase or decrease, why are you seeing increase or decrease? So, I've seen all of it. I've seen it increase. I've seen it decrease. I've seen it hold steady. Um, when it's increased, it's usually because I'm in a good season. And I don't, I'm not cocky about that, but it's usually I'm really tuned in with God. And when I'm really tuned in with God and not just kind of tuned in, um, I can feed better. And one of the craziest things that I've ever watched that I've known that it was God, that if I can feed better, that kids will drag their parents to church to get to youth church. Um, and they'll be like, we don't have to get there to 12 because, you know, youth church don't start to 12. You know, they'll miss regular worship in the sanctuary to make sure that they get there for that if I'm tuned in. And so it's become incredibly apparent to me that I've got to stay in the face of God. Um, and I think that's a message to pastors. You know, life is busy. I know that you all have families, you have responsibilities, but these are people's souls that are at stake. I've seen it dec decline and decrease, and I've seen it decline and decrease for two reasons. Um, I've, gone, I've gone through bad patches where I wouldn't start studying until Saturday. And that was a oops oops on me. Um, but I was so busy, so stressed out with school, work, or whatever, that I wasn't studying until Saturday. And so I had not really been in the face of God like I was supposed to. I prayed, but I wasn't studying. And so I didn't have a fresh word. And so, but nobody coming. Or the faithfuls were coming. Um, but I've also, I could, there have been seasons where I've been in the face of God and God has been giving me a fresh word, but people weren't coming. The youth group was growing, but just as fast as it was growing, people were leaving because people in the main church were running them away. Um, they were, you know, you, you know, you got young kids coming in, young, young, especially young black men coming in sagging. And before you can even get them saved, you got to get out of here with that. We don't do that here. And you don't explain to them the why. You don't try to love on them. You don't do anything like that. So they, then they don't come back. You got young girls coming in who might have children, might be pregnant. You know, they need to be in church. But then you, you're trying to throw your legalistic ideas. You know, we can get them in here. We can get them cleaned up. Um, and so I've, we've gone through seasons where we've had a packed out youth sanctuary. And then next week it's empty because half of the church mothers then ran them away because they didn't know tact. Um, and so it's, a, it's an intimate tango. And then that creates a problem, too, because then you got the whole respect your elders thing, and so you really ain't supposed to go to the old people and say, hey, could you stop doing that? Um, so, but, I've seen, but I've seen it work either way. So I guess another, I mean, a question for you and any other ministers that may be out there. How do you manage the relations between the older generation and the younger generation in your church? Because the clash in the church, mm -hmm. as far as, like, why are you losing older people or why are you losing younger people? And every church is facing that. Like, mm -hmm. Church of Highlands is probably facing why don't we have older people? Yep. Versus, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, 
black Baptist churches are probably facing, why, why don't you have kids? younger people? Mm-hmm. And so how do you manage that very fine line between the generations as far as the way of thinking and way of, you know, communing? Because old, the older generation communes different than the younger generation. They do. They do. And that's a, and that's a big issue in our community. We don't commune on the same, on the same thought you got process it. in the same wave. So, like, how do we manage that fine line? I'm going to be real with you. It's a struggle. It's a, it's a real struggle. As a matter of fact, we're in the middle of planning a trip to Orlando. And the seniors want to go. And so if, the seniors want to go with the youth, which sounds crazy, right? The seniors want to go to the, the, what is it, the New Jerusalem pro- project down there where it's supposed to be like Jerusalem, uh, it's yeah, a replica. Yeah. The children want to go to Disney it's World and Universal. Universal. Uh, and they are not interested in going to the Jerusalem project. And the old people don't think it's necessary for the kids to go to Disney World while we're down there at all. And so where the kids were like, well, we can do with Jerusalem for a day, the, kid, the grown folks were like, no, they got everything that you could need there. And, and so that's been an issue. But what I've also learned is that the more that they interact in the same space, they'll really discover that they have more in common than they have apart. And what I mean by that is we do, we do these things called girl talk uh, and fellowship. So like not fellowship, but like, you know, guy fellowship, um, where we take our, our boys as young as 10 all the way up through middle age and they all do small group type stuff together. Like they, they go top golf. They, they have conversations. They get together on a regular basis. Um, girl talk, you know, from spa dates to having bringing people in to talk to them. It's all about being around each other and having candid conversations. Um, we used to have a bowling ministry, and that used to be really fruitful because you would have teenagers all the way up to like our oldest member at the time was, was bowling. And so the teams would be mixed up, and you would, we would just be out and have fun together. I think the more you spend time, the more that you will realize that they're just like your grandparents. And that's not to say that our grandparents don't get on the nerves and we don't understand them sometimes, but we love our grandparents regardless. And so, but when you just see them as that old person that sits on the second row and frowns when we have youth day, um, you'll, never, you'll never build that community. Because, hmm. yeah. you know, when I think about, when I, what I see when I go in different churches, you know, the churches that are, you know, that you that you look and you think that are successful, you know, um, at having a very strong contingent of a, a nice mixture mm. of both generations. From what you notice is, you know, everybody gets their everybody gets the same amount of love mm-hmm. and gets the same kind of love. Right, right. You know, when you walk in the door, mm-hmm. you're greeted. Right. That's one thing, I, that's a consistent factor of a lot of successful churches that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I show you the love of the Lord from the time you step on our premises. Right. From the time you get out your car. Yep. You see, you see, you see the glory of the Lord upon me, mm-hmm. and you see the glory of the Lord working through me. Right. That's one. Two, the word of God has to go for it. Period. Period. Point yeah. blank period. Your church will not be successful if the word of God is not going forth. Mm-hmm. And if it's not sound. Yes, it's been not sound doctrine. It's not yeah. going forth. It won't, your church won't be successful. And, and, and just to piggyback off of that, full seats do not mean that your church is successful. Exactly, no. Because you can have bodies but be void of souls. Exactly. The music is irrelevant. And 
And I say, and you're gonna look at me as a music person as well. <laughs> the type of music that you're yeah. singing in your church as what is contemporary, contemporary and it has to be gospel now. It gotta be some kind of yeah, Christian you music. Gotta gotta worship God. Worship. We gotta worship the Lord. We don't worship yeah. drugs and music. But gotta be the Lord. And the thing about the delivery, yes, you have to deliver it a certain way. But I can sing a he I can sing hymns every Sunday. And as long as I'm relating those to both generations, mm-hmm. It's going forward where both generations understand the meaning of that song to me and what it meant to the people past, present, and future. Yep. That's all that matters. Indeed. I can get up and sing. Uh, and, you know, you see a lot of churches that they, all they sing is contemporary music, which, you know, I don't necessarily always agree with, but that's yeah. all they sing. And that touches old, young, and new again because of it's, it's delivered on sound doctrine and it's delivered from people that believe in that show that you can see the glory of the Lord upon. And you ain't going to look at me like I'm frowning. No, I, yeah. I mean, I agree. And I'm going to be frank with you. I believe that a healthy church touches all generations. I believe a healthy church is going to touch, reach back and sing the hymns. It's going to sing the things that are on the radio. It's going to sing the stuff that happened in the 80s. I believe the healthy church is, is it, I don't believe it's based on a certain genre of, of gospel music. I do believe that a healthy church um, has to love God and love people. Um, and, and I also think that it goes a little bit further, not to just love God and to love people, but to love God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul, and to love people the way that you love you. And I think we find some churches that are broken because people don't know how to love themselves. And so they can't love other people. You know, they, they look in the mirror and they're disgusted by what they see. So when they walk in the church, they got a problem with you. And they're giving you the stank eye because they was giving themselves the stank eye before they left the house. Hmm. And we wonder why our church is so broken because we hadn't taught each other how to love. We hadn't shown them how much value they have. One guy, and this crazy thing, it kind of, and I thought about it the whole way to Auburn. That's a guy who used to obviously be on drugs. He's, you know, his, his mind is kind of defunct. But apparently before he was on drugs, uh, he was a really successful businessman. He stopped me after church and he gave me a word that was so in line with what I was praying for that I knew it was God. And he was not the person that should have, I would have thought that God would have stopped to tell me mm-hmm. anything. Usually anything he has to say, I'm like, okay, man, <laughs> you have a blessed day. Yeah. But what he said, I knew that it was from God because I had been talking to God. And he was telling me about what I saw in the mirror. He said, God sees what you see in the mirror. Other people may not see it, but God sees what you see in the mirror. He, he sees what you're doing. He sees what you're toiling. He sees that you're working. And other people may not appreciate it, but God sees it. And I'm sitting here looking like, this is coming from you. <laughs> but at the same time, if I can't see in the mirror what God is doing in my life, how can I expect you to see it? How can I expect the next person to see it. And how can I show you the love of Christ if I don't even know what it looks like in my own life? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing, for all those, all those of you that don't know what, let's say, well, let's say for example, I don't know what Christ looks like in my life. Now, I'm going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to get further into where I don't know what that looks like in my life. There's, there are people, if you, if you pray to God and you ask God for clarity as far as help me to see how you're working in my life. Right. God will show you people and he'll show you, 
He'll show you actions and he'll put, he'll make you do certain actions. Mm -hmm. He'll he'll bring those to your mind, to the forefront of your mind. That'll start to allow you to see some things in yourself that you didn't know yeah. existed. Yeah. You didn't know that's that you were doing on a normal basis, you know right. what I mean? He'll bring people forward to you like that man. Mm -hmm. He'll bring them to you and they'll tell you something that you never thought they would say. Right, and, and, and they don't even know what they're saying. Like, and that's the crazy thing. They don't know what's going on in your life. Like, they're not, they're not a confidant. They wouldn't have talked to somebody. And that's how you know it's God. Like, that's, I mean, it, and, and, and that's a, the, one of the most amazing things about God to me is that he will go out of the way to make sure that you know that it is him. Romans. I've been. I feel like I've been saying this scripture all last two weeks. The truth about God was made plain to them, but they did not receive Him as God or worship Him as God, and that's why they could no longer see Him. God, as as long as you are seeking God, He'll make the truth about Him plain to you. As long as you're you're seeking Him and worship Him as God, He'll show you wonders. You'll see the riches. All that stuff you're praying about, you'll see it. My, 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 my. Yeah. Well, we've had a really fruitful conversation. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Really fruitful it. conversation. This is this is installment four of Unchurched. I'm so happy to have Darrell Fryer here with me today. Thank you for having me. Might have to have him back. Uh, have some good conversation. Now, look, y'all, tune in, whatever, wherever you're listening. If you're listening on YouTube, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on my website, be sure to hit that subscribe button. That's so, so important so you can get the next installment. Until next time, y'all be blessed, and I'm Reverend Kojo.